0: Welcome back to the Wellness Restoration Project. I'm your host, Jelly Swap, and I just have to say thank you so much for coming back and joining me again, and thank you so much to those of you who have left reviews and ratings. I have just been, I continue to be humbled and overwhelmed and so grateful for your support, and I'm glad that you're finding that the people that I am talking to and the subjects that we're covering are helpful. I think you'll find today's interview really, really interesting. We heard a little bit from Leandra Baker. She's my guest today in a launch interview early on. She is the owner and the creative driving force behind Created by LCB. And I grew to love her instantly. I loved her honesty. I loved her ability to just be very real and help really put into perspective the amount of effort and just how important it is to take care of ourselves on all of the many levels that we find ourselves struggling in order to be able to continue to level up and offer goodness to the world. And then she also addresses that there are lots of different ways that we can be creators and that we can find fulfillment and bring beauty to the world. She does amazing work. And I think you will resonate with her story, especially if you are living a life that you didn't quite have planned. And I think that's most of us, isn't it? I also hope that you'll stay tuned to for a special announcement at the end. I'm going to give you a little heads, little heads up. The Energy Restoration Project is open for enrollment again. It's only open for a short time. So hopefully you're listening to this the week that it's launching and I'd love to get you in if you are looking for some support to help you feel well, both emotionally and physically. So I will give you some more information at the end of this interview, but for now, I hope you'll really enjoy the time that I got to spend chatting with and learning from Leandra Baker. Welcome to the Wellness Restoration Project, where we explore the question of how are you well? A collection of interviews and explorations of resources, both ancient and modern, to help you create your own powerful network and practices in wellness. I'm your integrative herbalist and host, Shelley Swap. Let's do this. Welcome to the Wellness Restoration Project. I'm your host, Shelley Swap, and I am welcoming back my friend, Leandra Baker. Leandra, I am... So excited to have you back so that we can explore more of your story. You are an amazing artist and your business is known as Created, I'm going to say this right, I hope I say this right, Created by Elsie, is that right, LCB? Yes. It's such a fun name. Do you mind introducing my audience to your work? Again, I wish we, like hopefully if you're watching this on YouTube, we should have been Thoughtful enough to drop some pictures of your beautiful products, (laughs) but you're just a fun account to follow.
1: Thanks. I dye wool for people to spin into yarn. That's what I do for my day job, which is such fun. And you can, if you're watching, you can kind of see the, the detritus of it behind me. I dye comb top and offer it to spinners and filters. Primarily, there are some weavers who use my work and that's fun. And so I am a stop along the way to provide other creatives with the materials that they use to be creative.
0: That is so cool. And here, you know, I think anybody who's first being introduced to you is thinking, so did you like grow up in Ireland and these beautiful fields and learn to like shear sheep and all this stuff or tell us your story. How did you even come to this work?
1: So I ironically did not grow up in Ireland. I'm Utah (laughs) born and raised, unfortunately. And I only say that because my dad's from Montana and that is, that is my spiritual home. Um, so beautiful. And yes. So I got into spinning yarn. I actually had a class taught, I was homeschooled for a good portion of my school years. And, uh, one of our neighborhood teachers uh, taught us how to spin yarn using a potato and a pencil. And that was like a fun, just random thing. And so I, that was probably around age 11, 12. And then I didn't do anything with it. We had had a variety of sheep that theoretically we were going to raise for wool. That never went anywhere. Um, My mom has a spinning wheel or had a spinning wheel that we're pretty sure was actually a spinning wheel shaped object, which that's, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> people make uh non-functional non-usable spinning wheels, uh, for decor. And, and then I, uh, won a giveaway when I was 22. So years, years later, during that time I had learned how to crochet from my grandmother. And that was a wonderful memory that I have of her she passed away two years ago and and so I always treasure I I credit her with having me come back to what eventually turned into my career and so I ended up winning a giveaway from a local Utah artist uh, Joelle from Corn Creek Fiber uh, she's located in southern Utah and um, won that spun up the yarn, put it away, uh, and then ended up coming back to it later, a few months later, uh, in an attempt to corral some sort of organization to the chaos that was my life at the time. It was an extremely stressful summer. We did work. Uh, my husband did installs for, uh, direct TV sales and, I managed the office, um, and basically they tripled my workload and did not increase my pay. Oh, wow. So, uh, it was not a very pleasant summer. And I like the world felt like it was falling apart. I deal with anxiety. I did not appreciate that label or even want it in any form until very recently. Like it's only been in the last well, frankly, since the pandemic started that I was willing to embrace that I deal with anxiety, but I was dealing with it, you know, seven years ago. And, and I knew that if I could just sit down and spin yarn for 10 minutes, I could get back up and face everything that I was struggling with, everything that felt too overwhelming. If I could sit down for 10 minutes, spin some yarn on this little spindle, that was $10 from Etsy and I could go back and face my problems. And that creative reset was everything that I needed to keep going through some really hard, hard months. I I got into it for my mental health and I did not realize that at the time necessarily. I, I wouldn't, I don't appreciate labels. A lot of the time I will reject them until I can figure out how they're useful to me. And that's fair. And and how sweet that you were able to take some
0: kind of unorganized matter, if for lack of a better word, some very raw material and be able to spin it into something that was useful. And then not only did you just, did you spin it, you made it beautiful.
1: Yes, it was, it was fun. And the fiber art community is beautiful. There are so many wonderful humans who are very giving and loving and ready to cheer you on for the things that you create. And I needed that. I needed, I needed a sense of community and a place where I felt valued and and worthy to be there and and they showed up.
0: (laughs) That is huge. And I have found that to be the case in a lot of communities that when you really get into the heart of good, good practices, whether they be even Boy Scouts, you know, was a huge source of strength to my oldest son, as we were moving around the country from place to place with my husband's work and, and just getting into that core group of people that we could find everywhere we lived and how it just gave him so much. Uh, it just gave him an anchor, gave him a place Mm -hmm. to get in there and be like, these are the people that they get me and, um, and they'll help me to to become who I want to become and who I need to become. And it sounds like you found that in your world as well. So you now have a booming business, which is kind yes. of exciting in the creative world.
1: And I do set out to do. <laughs> I do want to speak to that. You mentioned it's kind of weird in a creative world. And I, I know that I know that to the very depth of my soul because, and I joke, I joke with my husband about this. I'm like, my business never fits the norms uh i have a friend who sells in my same field and she informed me my first real february she's like january and february are always slow and my january and february i had sold more fiber successively i had just kept increasing the amount of sales that i uh was generating and i was like wait so really? like <laughs> I don't have to like I don't have to subscribe to like this is my busy time and this is my not busy time. Like I get to choose. I've known for years that the amount of revenue generated in my business is directly proportional to how well I'm doing. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, my business suffers. If I'm feeling in the in flow and able to tackle things and that I have all of the resources that I need to be well, my business absolutely flourishes. And so I know that if my business starts to not do well, that I need to look at what I'm not giving to myself.
0: I have learned the same thing and it is, it's almost heartbreakingly crazy to think of it that way at times. Like when you're like, but I'm struggling and I'm like, this isn't struggling and all, you know, and you're like, this isn't fair but I love the way that you, that you are willing to say, I get it. Like, this is just another way for me to recognize that I need to do a better job of taking care of myself so I can show up and create and give back to the people who are using the good things that I make to create more beautiful things in the world. That is, that is wise, very wise, my friend. Do you have some, do you have some tips? I mean, I know you've got more than one way that you take care of yourself. Are you Let's, let's go there. Can you share some of those things with us?
1: Yes. Um, and I do want to preface this by saying that I am extremely privileged. I am a cisgendered, heteronormative, white woman, white passing. I am Hispanic actually, but uh, but I pass as white. So I'm also married to a man whose job pays all of our bills or could if, if we decided that that's what we needed to go back to one income. I so appreciate so,
0: you saying that and recognizing it.
1: I, yes, I had a lot of things going for me even before I decided to run my own business. And so things that help me show up for my business, for myself. The first thing that I started, sorry, go ahead.
0: Actually, I, we should probably back up here, Leandra. I know we ta- talked a little bit in our kind of mini interview a couple of weeks ago about your journey but, um, for those that may have missed that, that are tuning in for this life had, didn't exactly go the way you had planned, right?
1: Correct. And uh, you yes. we weren't setting
0: out to like, come home from installation craziness and go, I am just going to be a fabric dyer and, you know, I'm going to spin wool and I'm going to diet and that's going to be my thing for the rest of my life. You were It wasn't your plan, right?
1: No, it was not my plan. In fact, I, my husband comes from a family where they are all entrepreneurs. Uh, I did not. Uh, (laughs) My father and grandfathers have all worked for other people through the courses of their lives. And so I did not have the background of when you grow up, you start your own business and that's what you do. So yes, however, I had a few miscarriages, we got married as babies as little nineteen and twenty year old babies, and anticipated that our lives would go like our parents did. They got married very young, they proceeded to have children relatively easy. Life turned out the way that they had expected, and so there wasn 't really any reason for us to expect that our lives would go any differently and then And then the miscarriages happened. I was diagnosed with endometriosis at age. 21, Mm. 22. And I had, I had exhibited symptoms of endometriosis ever since I was 13 years old. The girls in my family experienced their menstruation very young. Um, I started menstruating when I was 11 and within two to three years after that had been exhibiting extremely painful and heavy periods. And Enough. Sure
0: this is really painful. It's, it can be a really excruciating condition.
1: Yes. And I, the medical field doesn't really know what to do with it. And right. they didn't know what to do with it even worse, almost 20 years ago. And so we went in, my mom took me into uh, our family doctor and said, Hey, she's exhibiting symptoms. The doctor was like, well, she's too young to really label her with the diagnosis of endometriosis. Cause that's something that follows you around to each of your insurance providers and et cetera. And so let's not bother doing the surgical diagnosis, but we'll just anticipate, like, we'll just move forward. Like she is. So we yeah. can either put her on hormonal birth control, um, which I was 16 at the time and not sexually active. And my mom was like, I'm not interested in that, uh, And the other option that she offered was we can give you nausea medication because any of the -the over-the-counter medications that I was taking, I would throw up within 15 minutes of taking them. I'll give you nausea medication and pain medication. I ended up refilling the nausea medication for a few uh, scripts and then just taking an ibuprofen to help manage the pain, but I could at least keep it down. And then... Uh, flash forward to, I'm married now, still having extremely painful periods, still, you know, still flat on my back for four, four days a month. Uh, that, that was just my reality. Like the world stopped Mm -hmm. for, for a minimum of three days every single month. And to the point where I wasn't even getting out of bed, like if there wasn't somebody to be there to, to get me a glass of water or to bring me food, I literally would Stay thirsty and starve, like that i I could not get out of bed, so miscarriages uh it was really hard for me to get pregnant. It still is. I don't have a lot of pregnancies in my history, and we've never done anything to actively prevent pregnancy, but conception isn't easy for most women with endometriosis.
0: Oh, it can be really challenging so you're in a spot where you aren't having this family that you dreamed of.
1: Yes. Uh, and also not equipped to not have the family that we dreamed of. Cause again, <laughs> there wasn't a family, plan B, right? <laughs> there was no plan B. We were just going to do this. And, and my husband and I look back on this and we kind of laugh and we're like, we were so naive. Why did we not think of like a plan B or a plan C or, and like, we didn't have those conversations, but at the same time, I also think that you don't have those conversations until you're presented with, like, the reality that life is not going the way that you wanted it to. Absolutely. So, no, no babies. And it was just me and my husband. And something else that is kind of culturally a condition of the cultures that he and I were raised in were that you're not a family until you have that baby. Hmm. And so inside of our own minds, like, don't get me wrong. Our families are very supportive of our marriage and they, they both love each of us. Our in-laws are great, but it's even something as silly and as simple as writing our Christmas cards. You know, we'll get Christmas cards and it'll say Sam and Leandra versus the Sam Baker family. Hmm. And we're not a family. Unconsciously, we're not a family. And so because we didn't have that baby, my husband and I didn't ever develop the kind of family culture that we were anticipating we'd need to. Kind of two people who were married and having sex and living as roommates, (laughs) like genuinely. And, and that caused issues, you know, when when the template that you're given is that you're going to grow up and you're going to be a mom. And, and that's what I genuinely wanted to be. Like if you had asked me at any point during my growing up from the age of like three, what I wanted to be when I grew up was a mom. And then to be presented with the reality that that's not easy. You right. either. It's not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. It's not going to be easy. You know, the reality is you're going to have to go to a doctor, do the surgeries, which we did, and that did not go well for me. I did not respond well at all to the surgery. And, or IVF or IUI, and neither of those felt like good options to me, in part because, again, I knew that the medical field did not understand how to handle endometriosis. They were just gonna stick me on pills and send me out the door, and I, I didn't believe that that's what I needed.
0: Well, in women's health, and I, I've said this so many times, just really wasn't even studied until, you know, even in the last, like early 2000s is when we started to see a real influx when that first group of women were elected to house in late, in the late 1990s is when we first started to see legislation that required women to be included in studies, whereas before they weren't. And they, and then in the early 2000s, they were required to, all the studies had to be able to say, you know, who was in their study according to you know, to gender and, and age and those types of things. And then they didn't study a lot of women of reproductive age because they didn't want to mess up. You know, you don't want to mess up somebody who's going to have a baby and, and uh, which is understandable, but still like you can't extrapolate from men and then expect it to work on women. Cause we're just completely different creatures,
1: very different wiring, very different hormones, very different, and very different.
0: For most women that are dealing with really heavy di- diagnosis, like endometriosis or PCOS or you know, thyroid disease, it can take as many as nine years before they get a diagnosis before they find some way to get some help. And that is a long time. I mean, when you're talking a 19 year old woman who wants to start a family, you know, or a 20 year old woman who wants to start a family, and then you don't find the help you need or any help really until you're almost 30 that and endometriosis isn't, you know, it doesn't sit around and wait for you to find the right person. none None of these diseases do. do. They continue to to develop and and kind of wreak havoc until you find the right resources to help you balance. So I hear you loud and clear. And I think a lot of other women that are listening are going to relate very strongly to your story that it's not an easy path forward. It's not as as simple as we thought it would be.
1: No. And and especially I think of my great aunt, uh, she's, she was essentially another grandmother to me growing up and she did not have any children. She was married for a period of time to a man. Uh, they ended up divorcing because she couldn't have children. She and I never had conversations about this. You know, I did I didn't. Right. Because in part, she didn't have conversations like that. She had no one to turn to, to be like, Hey, this is, you know, here's how to keep going after the reality that you might not have biological children sets in. And so there just wasn't like we're having more conversations today. And now about this part of a woman's life than we ever have before. And a lot of the lens, I don't know if you're familiar with Meg Conley. Uh, I love her. (laughs) I adore her. (laughs) She's on
0: my list of women. I'm hoping I get to
1: interview. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And she, Uh, shared, uh, she wrote an article a few weeks ago about how motherhood in America is a multi-level marketing scheme. (laughs) And I loved it in part because she pushed back on someone who had commented on Instagram about how, you know, if you take away, if you like, Degrade motherhood, then, or if you push back on our version of motherhood, then you're like wrecking what it means to be a woman. And I, as a woman who longs to be a mother, the amount of work that it's taken for me to be able to claim my version of motherhood and the amount of work that it's taken for me. To even start to claim that I am a woman because my body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. It's been years. It's been literal years of therapy and energy work and emotion work and understanding my brain and, and delving into the neurobiology for me to get to a place and, and thousands of dollars, which I know a lot of people don't have that disposable income to put towards the healing and reconciling of where they're at when life doesn't go the way that they, it was supposed to. Right. Absolutely. The amount of of work that it takes to claim the story that is your present versus the one that it was supposed to be.
0: Right. Right. And I think you'll find that this resonates with those that are childless and those that have children that they're raising that are not well, or that are not You know moving in directions that they dreamed they would be i you know it was a huge shock to me to to be caring for children who you know may never you know won't probably won't live into their 20s and you know and autism and those types of things like it's just like we all get handed things that don't look anything like what we (laughs) we had planned and and it doesn't make us less like I just love your message that it just doesn't make us less it it gives us an opportunity to expand and to grow and like your beautiful art that you create as a way to help that is that became a way for you to begin to heal but then you've also had to learn other tools to help you stay well in order to keep that space available for you to continue to create and to recognize that that it sounds like you've had to learn to you know heal those pieces of you that are still aching from from the endometriosis and from those dreams that that haven't come to fruition of motherhood yet and, and from all those other places that that you've had impact from as your world is, is kind of looking very, very different than you thought it would. 10 years ago, you know, yes. um, if you are, if, if we could speak to just maybe one person right now who could be listening and they're hearing you and saying, this is my story. This is my story. Um, Leandra, where would you tell them to start?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar at all with the lazy genius. She, Her name's Kendra Adachi. She's a lazy genius on Instagram. Anyway, she just came out with a book called The Lazy Genius Way. And in it, she talks about being a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. That is brilliant. (laughs) It, It is. And I love it so much. She put words to this aspect of perfectionism that we all want to overperform or completely underperform. And under, underperforming as an aspect of perfectionism is a concept that I was introduced to by Monica from About Progress. Yes, It was the first time that I had words for not showing up and why I wasn't showing up. And in order to be a genius about the things that matter, you have to name what matters you have to name what matters. So when you need to start, when when you're filling the call to start somewhere, you could start where I tell you to or where Shelly tells you to or where all of the different experts will all have different opinions on where to start. You have to name what matters because when you know what matters, starting from there will reward you better than checking off someone else's checklist items. So for me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, for me, that was energy work. I started with emotional work. Uh, I actually had a midwife uh, who was my mother's midwife uh, contact me. And usually when your body's not doing what it want what you thought it was supposed to, uh, you'll have well-meaning, very well-intentioned humans who do not have any experience with life, not, life not going well in this particular area, come up to you and tell you this worked for my aunt or this worked for my cousin's uncle's, you know, sister-in-law. And, uh, and so this Uh midwife, yes, (laughs) everyone's, everyone very well meaningly has something to contribute and, uh, But this midwife approached and she said, this might not be a good fit for you. I just feel like I need to offer it. But I do think that you could benefit from some emotional work. Uh, She was trained in emotion code and body code. And that's where we started. Uh, And she was also a Reiki healer, uh, someone who worked with energies that way. And my body is in basically constant pain. I was in a car accident shortly before my husband and I were married that I have never, that have, that has had lasting repercussions and working with this woman, being able to, for the first time, be in touch with my feelings and figure out what was going on inside of my head, because it shows up in your energy and in, in, in the way that you show up in the world, but I didn't have the vocabulary to really understand what was going on. I just knew that I hurt all the time, that I was miserable and depressed, and I didn't even have words for it. But I worked with her for a while and then she introduced Reiki and I had pain-free minutes for like five minutes for the first time in years. And I was like, I need more of that. I need more of that.
0: (laughs) When we were, if you don't mind me me kind of adding to this. So my, my early training years in herbalism, um, my teacher decided to take 10 of us that were in his intensive program and he wanted us to learn faster. He wanted us to have an opportunity to serve. He wanted to give back to his community. Maybe there was 15 of us. And he called the local homeless shelter in Santa Cruz, California, and said, we want to come down and open up a free clinic to give back to our community. And they were like, of course, yeah, sure. We'd love to have you yeah, yes. yeah. as a group of herbalists and acupuncturists. And we brought in shirodara, which is a form and oil-based therapy that is practiced in Ayurvedic medicine. And then we had eventually began to collect other healers and we had some Reiki healers and some reflexologists. And, and, and between the, the many of us that were there, that we came back every month, we would hear this story of people who had been homeless or who had been in destitute situations for so long, and they had finally found relief from pain, you know, without having to use drugs or alcohol or any of those things, they were able to find even if it was just brief, you know, for a couple of days, they would come back month after month after month. And we would see their eyes clear and we would see their heads clear and we'd be able to have better, more meaningful conversations with them and serve them better. And so there is, there are so many good things in this world that we can begin to add to our toolbox to, to find wellness.
1: Yes, for sure. And and I think exactly that having a toolbox and knowing that the same tool isn't going to necessarily work for every single situation. Right. You know, I, I did energy work, emotion work uh, for a few years. And then I realized that I needed to go to therapy and I hadn't been ready before then. I needed the the background of the healing that I had done to get me to that point because therapy in therapy, I was able to finally put words to a lot of things that I had just held inside of myself. I am, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but
0: I'm learning about it. I'm hoping to become more, more educated in it.
1: So I am a nine, uh, which is the peacemaker, uh, and basically I want peace. For everybody, <laughs> everybody all the time. <laughs> and and for years that came at the expense of my own internal peace. Yeah. And
0: I think the best quote I've heard as of late is that peacemakers are very different than peacekeepers.
1: Yes. And I had been operating as a peacekeeper for decades. I am
0: certainly guilty of that as well, and learning that part of making peace is standing up for truth in lots of different ways. And sometimes that can be scary.
1: It is very scary, and especially uh, especially when you've got trauma, you need you just don't have the bandwidth. Uh, so, to be able to work through the emotional aspects and and have the energy poured into my body through Reiki and through, I'll be honest, we didn't spend a lot of time on herbs, mostly just because uh, when we got started, my body couldn't absorb them. Yeah, genuinely, that's fair, and I and that wait. is.
0: Some of those energy work are so so helpful because it helps to open up those pathways in the body that then allow you to bring food and nourishment and herbs and all those things in. But if those pathways aren't open, a lot of that, you know, you're, you're just adding to the traffic jam.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so being able to work through some of the trauma and I'll be honest, again, genuinely, I'm extremely privileged. I come from a family. My great, or my, excuse me, my grandfather is an immigrant from Mexico. So there is that, that line of my family, which I adore. His son is my father and I was raised in a very loving home. My parents are still together. We have very robust extended family life. Like we have on both sides of my family. And,
0: and I love that you're acknowledging that and that you can still have trauma.
1: Yes. And that was, I, I don't even And that's
0: remember. hard to get, you know, because you feel like you're it is. allowed to be in pain
1: Yes, when you have
0: that much goodness in your life.
1: I don't even remember who I was listening to. I was listening to a book and they talked about how it's a, it's something that you see in the military. Uh, those who experienced trauma while serving our country would downplay that and not go get the help that they needed because kind of the mantra to keep going is other people have it worse than you do.
0: Right. Right.
1: And, and just how that is not serving them and it is not allowing them to get the help that they need to own the pieces of their story that were traumatic, that, that did cause trauma and, and the very reality that trauma looks different for every single human.
0: Yeah. And to hold space for both. Yep. they're. goodness and really hard things in the same space, just like we can be disappointed and really grateful at the same time.
1: Yes. And, and how something that's traumatic to someone else will not be traumatic, will not be stored as trauma in the body of someone else who went through the exact same thing. And just being able to own that, like trauma is real and we've all got it. <laughs> yes. uh, and I have experienced this. Um, in healing my own trauma, I am a more generous human. I, I, I can show up the way that I'm supposed to, the way that, and, and I say supposed to in air quotes, and you can't see that if you're just listening, but because we're, we're taught what's a good human you know we're we're given a lens of this is a good human, and uh, I don't know that necessarily everything that we have in the definition of a good human is right for us yeah and and so being able to work through my trauma to get the help that I needed to have the resources to you know continue to work on my mental health and and my well-being physically, emotionally, spiritually, et cetera, all of the things.
0: And you've got this beautiful community of creatives that are helping you do this.
1: Yes, this and and this creative outlet and this this ability. I'm able to show up better for my community because I'm better, because I because the business allowed me to have the disposable income to pay the Reiki healer, to pay the chiropractor, to, you know, to pay this team of humans who show up for, to pay my therapist, who show up for me, to hold space for me, to heal, to be better, I can then pour that back into my community in a way that if all they had done is ask me to give and not given anything in return, would end up with me burnt out. And I just... Leander,
0: that is, and that right there is, I think, a beautiful space to, to kind of end our conversation. I, I think if we could, I, I may just make that into a quote <laughs> so we can share it. But really, truly, but by allowing, by, by you being generous enough to have gone through what you've gone through and to share it with others and recognize that your well being is so central to you being able to give back and lift others and vice versa is, it's everything.
1: And I also do wanna mention, for those of you who had life go the way that you were expecting it to, I say that very sarcastically (laughs) because nobody does. But for those of you who don't have trauma in other areas that people that you know and love do, being a listening ear and validating their experience is one of the best ways that you can show up and love your people the the people who've been there to hear my story to say i see you i don't know what you're going through but i love you anyway they they're what keeps me coming back they're what keeps me engaged in in continuing to to show up for them and to love them and and to know that it's not just well, your story didn't match mine, so we can't be friends anymore. And for those of us who didn't have life go the way that we were supposed to in certain areas, there is somewhere in your life that you're not hurting that other people are. And so to be a human who can show up for those relationships and say, I see you. I love you. Your story matters. Will you please tell me? Like, I want to be there for you. We can do that even inside of, hey, life didn't go the way that it was supposed to. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I I will put another plug in for the Nagowski sisters book called Burnout that just came out. It's beautiful. And they talk very much about how at the end of the day, we we all need to not be so focused on self-care, but focused on prioritizing care of all of us. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be us, you know, scrapping ourselves to the top. We're going to have to take care of the entire community around us for all of us to, to be able to rise together. And we do that by becoming leaven, you know, by being able to, to provide that leaven and that that rising power to everyone that we come in contact with. And we've got to stay well in order to do that.
1: Yeah, my, <laughs> I call her my friend. We've never met, but Annie F. Downs she wrote a book called Remember God and it changed my world. So, but she also says, she talks about going to therapy and she says, I go to therapy so that I can be a better Annie for the people that I love. And that being able to frame it that way really helped in the, in the debate of, do we have enough money for me to go to therapy? Like, is it's too much time out of my day? Like, you know, wear and tear on my vehicle, which isn't really a thing in the pandemic, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, we show up to heal, to be a better human for the people that we love.
0: Amen. Amen to that. Leandra, thank you so much for your very honest, very raw interview with me today and for sharing your story. I suspect it will be a jumping off point for many people. So thank you. And. Yes. I am excited to uh, to share this with others. If they are, I know they're going to want more of you. So, can you tell them where to find you? And then I'll also include the links in the show notes.
1: The best place to get a hold of me would probably be on my Instagram account uh, created by LCB. That's my business account. Uh, so, there's a lot of pretty pictures of fiber. If you just want to shoot me a message and we can chat further and you know, maybe move it to email if that's a better platform, but my Instagram account, I'm active there and, and, uh,
0: and it's beautiful. I really
1: appreciate connecting.
0: It's a beautiful account. Thank you. Thank thank you. you, Thank you. And I wish you the very best. I hope that we will get to cross paths many times.
1: Yes. It was so good.
0: Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I have a special announcement. So my premier women's health called the Energy Restoration Project is now open for enrollment. It's only open for a short period of time, and this time it is new, it is improved, and it is full of support. So, Bobby Nguyen from About Being Whole is joining me so that she can address the emotional wellness piece while I get in there and tackle how to use herbs and nutrition and all the other pieces of ancestral wellness to help us find those... us replenish and restore and rebuild our bodies. This isn't something that we just do once. This, These are tools that you're gonna come back to again and again and again, not only for yourself, but for those that you care for. So if you are ready and interested in making the changes you need to in order to get the energy that you need to feel well, I hope you'll join us. Again, it's only open for a short period of time. We start on February the 8th and you can find the information here in the show notes. You can find the link in my bio on Instagram or in Facebook, and you can always reach out to me and if you've got any questions. So thank you again for joining us today with the Wellness Restoration Project. And until next time, be well.